So as I said earlier, big thank you to all of you for coming here for our first ever VESAC gathering for Auckland Insights. And so just very briefly, for those of you who maybe aren't so clear what VESAC even is, it's traditionally a day of celebration held on the full moon in May, which was on Wednesday. And it celebrates the Buddha's birth, his awakening or enlightenment, and his death. So it's kind of like Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving all rolled into one day. And in many Asian countries, Buddhist Asian countries, it's a day where people go to their local monasteries. They spend the day meditating and listening to Dharma talks. They recommit to the five ethical trainings and they practice dana or generosity to the monastery, to charities. So usually it's a day of quiet contemplation and reflection on the benefits of this practice, plus an opportunity to recommit to strengthening our intention to develop what's good, to develop wisdom and compassion for the benefit of all. So because there's already so much included in this one day, I felt like it was okay to add even more celebration to that mix and have it also be an acknowledgement of Auckland Insight, this Sangha or community. Because as you know, I think most of you, Sangha is one of what are known traditionally as the three jewels, the three jewels that Buddhists traditionally take refuge in. So they are the Buddha, the Dharma or the teachings, and the Sangha. In other words, the path, Dharma is the path that leads to freedom, and it's what we've been exploring on Thursday nights here. So one way I think of these three jewels is like guiding lights that help us orient, help us keep going in the right direction. Because as I think most of you know, it's quite hard to follow this path by yourself. You know, in the teachings they talk about swimming upstream. We're going against a lot of currents that want to pull us in the opposite direction. So we need the support of others. And we have the good fortune of having this group to connect with. So I did a little bit more historical research, and from what I can tell, when I look back, this first session we had with Auckland Insight was initiated by Sue here, so we like to always acknowledge Sue and Martin as two two founders, but Sue invited me to lead a one-day workshop on the 9th of December 2012, so almost nine years ago. And Sue was there, and Margie was there, and Claire was there, and a few others. So some of you have been involved in this group for a long time. Yeah. So some of you have been involved for a long time, some of you are brand new, everyone is equally welcome. And we'll be taking plenty of time to get to know each other, both formally and informally, to introduce ourselves and just begin to reflect on some of those themes. So just to give you an overview of the day, to help you to orient, in a moment we will introduce ourselves to each other, and then the rest of the day will be a mix of interactive explorations, some silent sitting, plenty of social time for those who want it, and 
we'll have morning tea together. Then I'll say a little bit more about this theme of Vesak and the Buddha's life. Just to try and explore how is it relevant for us here today. And then we'll have a shared lunch at around about 12.30 for an hour. And we'll need a little bit of time at the beginning to set that up. So our wonderful helpers have already put a lot of stuff in place. But we'll need about 10 minutes at the start of the lunch break just to get that organized. Then we'll come back to explore in the afternoon this theme of spiritual friendship and community in more detail. So that's the overview. So as most of you know, Auckland Insight generally is more of a secular group in the sense that we don't usually have a lot of rituals or ceremonies that we do. And we're in the insight lineage, the Pasna, which for the most part is led by lay teachers rather than monastics. So we haven't really had a lot of connection to Buddhist traditions. But I felt inspired this year to connect to Vesak because, in a way, of the opportunity that it provides us to pause, to reflect on what it is that we're doing here to acknowledge and to celebrate what's good about this and to recommit to our practice together. So I'd like to start that process just by reflecting on the power of sangha or community because for many of us brought up in Western culture, the way these teachings have come to us, at least in the beginning, there's been a lot more emphasis on individual practice silent, solitary meditation. And until relatively recently, not so much attention was paid to the relationships, the friendships, the communities that support that practice. So, for example, in the insight tradition, the founders came back from their time in Asia and they set up retreat centers where people could do intensive silent meditation retreats. But there weren't as many opportunities for people to connect outside of retreat and to bring the Dharma into our everyday lives, in our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces. But as we know, meditation doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in the context of all of that other messy stuff, which is often at odds, at least in my own experience, with our intention to live with more ease, and calm and kindness and clarity. So we need the support of other people, the moral support and the living examples of other people to inspire us, to keep deepening our understanding of this path to freedom. And this path actually has been a relational one right from the start. So all the way back at the time of the Buddha, It said that after he recognized that someone had tasted that deep freedom, he instructed them to go out and share that understanding, that experience, quote, for the welfare of the many. And people did that. And that's actually why we're here today. So I find it pretty mind-blowing to reflect on that. That people received teachings, practices from the Buddha that helped them to wake up. And then out of that deep appreciation, they memorized the teachings and they shared them, recited them, 
to other people who did the same. And eventually, after several hundred years of this oral transmission, the teachings were written down, and they still continue to be appreciated and shared. And miraculously, they're available to us here today. So just to take that in, how the words that the Buddha is reported to have spoken 2,600 years ago in India have a life here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, two and a half millennia later. So that's the power of these three jewels of Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. So we can think of the Buddha as the originator, the discoverer of the truth, that path that leads to freedom. And the Dharma are the teachings that he gave to help us follow that path. And then the Sangha is this community network of connection that has allowed these teachings to be shared and transmitted and ultimately bringing us here today. So we can think of this whole process as a form of spiritual friendship, one that's been offered to us from those Dharma ancestors way, way back in time, but that we too are sharing here now and potentially offering to others in the future too. So even though perhaps in some ways originally the Western insight tradition hasn't been so good at acknowledging and honoring that, the Buddha actually saw relational practice as crucial to this whole path. So many of you are familiar with that famous exchange between the Buddha and his attendant Ananda. And in the discourses, just to say as context, Ananda is often presented as somebody who was very loyal, but a little bit slow on the uptake. And it took him a quite a long time to have the sort of experiential understandings that his other Sangha members were having. Anyway, at some point he has this sudden realization that he thinks that spiritual friendship is half of the whole spiritual practice. And he goes to the Buddha and he's very excited and he says, I've just understood that spiritual friendship is half of this spiritual life. But the Buddha rebukes him and says, don't say that, Ananda, don't say that. In fact, admirable friendship, admirable comradeship, admirable companionship is the whole of this spiritual life. And that's because when we have admirable people as Dharma friends, we naturally follow the path to freedom, the Noble Eightfold Path. 